Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Woman. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 137. <laughs> so, Kitty and I, we have this private chat, and almost daily, if not maybe every second day, <laughs> we'll text each other and we'll, we'll talk. But we always start our messages with good morning. But we and we don't text a lot, we actually voice message. So we send a lot of voice messages. (laughs) And I don't even know how it started or when it started. I would say I probably started it because I love to sing. I love to sing what I want to (laughs) say. Much to Carson's delight. I just sing all day, every day. Often I'll sing my sentences. So when we say good morning via voice message, we actually sing it. (laughs) So when I just said hello to you, that's what popped into my mind. Do you want me to, um, do you want me to give you a good morning? You know, it would be really fitting if you're listening to this and it's actually morning time. I'm going to give you a Kitty Blomfield good morning, like what I gift her when she opens up her WhatsApp and (laughs) puts on my voice message. Okay, you ready? Good morning. I'm so sorry if there are singers that are listening to this. I really would love to be able to sing. Anyway, so good morning or good day to you, whatever time of the day it is that you're listening to this. How are you? How are you? Do you actually have... So do you have a group chat with anyone? And and this question kind of fits into what we're going to talk about today. But, you know, I'm so grateful to have this amazing group of women that I get to connect with uh, via chat. <laughs> Kitty, Leela, Libby, myself, uh, and there have been 
a few other women that have been added to the group now. So Kate Deering and um, and Strong Sisters are also in there. So we have this group chat and then, you know, we'll have some private ones. So Kitty and I have a private one that we talk quite frequently on. But I think having a group of people or someone that you can connect with that you can share things with outside of your partner is really powerful. So it is a pure privilege and pleasure to be in this group chat with these amazing women who inspire me every day. They are just building empires and doing work that is so powerful and so important and we're just all helping each other together you know we're all building these really cool businesses and we just have these powerful relationships which we've created and that's what we're going to talk about today We're going to talk about how to have powerful relationships. Oh, oh, I get so excited talking about this. I am so very fascinated by relationships. Okay, so I will offer this to you straight up. And I want to say that I am not an expert in this space. I am not a psych. I am not a relationship psych or counselor. What I am sharing with you is, you know, what I've learned through my own experience and through coaching hundreds of women and having thousands and thousands of conversations and relationships with them over the last Well, I can't even put it to 14 years, you know, really, we have been in relationships since our birth. So I am, shit, I think I'm 35. I'm either 35 or 36. Today, I have seemed to have forgotten that. I think I'm 35. So for the last 35 years, I have been in relationship. For the last 14 years, I have been in a lot of coaching relationships where I have had thousands and thousands of conversations, which is super cool. So I just wanted to chuck that out there because, you know, I'm not an expert on relationships. And what I'm going to share with you today is my own experience, is from my coaching work that I do with all of the women that I work with. And it's also a little bit of a like a a collab (laughs) with a bit of uh, Brené Brown's work and Esther Perel's work (laughs) that I've like mixed into this really cool podcast episode. Um, And so we're going to talk about relationships, how we can have powerful relationships And I really wanted to talk about communicating with confidence because that's what I believe really forms and keeps relationships powerful. 
So I hope you find it helpful. If you have any questions, please connect with me. I have put a few of my most favorite resources in the show notes. These babies, these resources, and some of the stuff and work we're going to talk about today changed how I communicated, how I loved, and how I related to people. So let's friggin' do this. As I said, I'm so fascinated by relationships. Uh, The relationship we have to our bodies and to ourselves, the relationship we have to food, the relationship that we have to others, intimate relationships, all the relationships I'm fascinated by. I will probably say the word relationship a million times today as well. Just so you know, you know? So I'm very, very fascinated. And when I was writing some notes for this podcast episode, uh, which is pretty sparse on my <laughs> on my notepad here, so I'm really just flying, just winging it. I'm flying without a plan really here. But I was just thinking about, you know, what I wanted to talk about and how I wanted to structure it. And so I was just reflecting on my fascination with relationships and I was trying to remember when I became really fascinated with them and I think there are a few pivotal moments where I became fascinated to our relationship or my relationship with a certain thing. And what I mean by that is I've been very fascinated with our relationship to our bodies for a really long time, probably for as long as I can remember. Uh, A memory popped into my mind around Barbie dolls. Uh, And so I have two sisters. And so we had a lot of Barbie dolls in our house and a couple of memories came up around uh around this when I was thinking about when when did I find um my body fascinating you know when did I start to have a relationship with my body and I do remember having conversations either with my sisters or my parents when I was younger around Barbie dolls and their bodies and my body and the Barbie dolls body. And, and how, you know, the Barbie dolls body or bodies looked very similar. And then, you know, there are other bodies that are in the world that don't look like their body. And then I do remember one day we were playing Barbie dolls and then we went away and we did something else. And I can't remember exactly how old I was, but my dad came out and he said, can you come here for a second? And so he took me into the playroom and he pointed to the Barbie dolls 
and there was a male Barbie doll and a female Barbie doll and they're on top of each other. <laughs> and he was like, what, what is happening here? Like, what do you think is happening here? And then we had a conversation around sex <laughs> uh, and the body. And so this is probably, you know, when I was eight or nine or 10 years old from memory. So that is one of, I guess, my first, I can't say real because, and this is a whole nother <laughs> podcast topic, you know, when we, we're talking about memories and are the memories actually real or are they, you know, have they changed over time into like what we, you know, we believe something happened, but did it really happen? Or, you know, the mind is very complex. So it's a memory that I have. And it's one of the first memories that I have where I started to ask questions about the human body. And it came from Barbies. And maybe my parents could speak a little bit more powerfully. I actually haven't had a conversation with them with them for a couple of weeks. So I haven't had to, I haven't had the chance to ask them if I had talked about it or we had talked about bodies um, and our relationship to our bodies earlier on. Uh, potentially my dad bought a, you know, what happens when you make a baby book and maybe we read that when we we're a little younger, but I don't really have a memory of that. So Barbie dolls uh, and playing with Barbie dolls and looking at Barbie dolls bodies also looking at, um, you know, comparing them to bodies in the real world was one of my first memories. Also, sport has been a really big one for me. Uh, I started gymnastics since when I was three and so I've always had a physical practice in my life. Now, my memory around, you know, my relationship to my body and my physical practice, it's a little gray. I can't really remember anything when I was doing gymnastics uh, around my relationship to my body. My memories there are really around uh, learning skills and routines. And I can't ever remember having conversations around you know, your, your functioning body and what your body can do. And I can't really even remember having conversations around what your body looks like at that age when I was doing gymnastics. It probably wasn't until high school when a lot of our bodies start to change through puberty that you start to think about your relationship to your body. And I think this is, this can be a really hard time for a lot of women when if, especially if they've gone through puberty early, uh, especially if they weren't led through it by a parent or, you know, a coach or a teacher. I remember that, you know, I come from a family who we never really talked about things we never really talked about feelings or emotions or we never really had a lot of hard conversations. We never talked about, you know, 
all of these concepts that I talk about with you. And I think I realized that probably when I was around 13 or 14, that I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be able to talk about hard things. I wanted to be able to talk about all of this stuff that was coming up in my mind and that, you know, I would talk about with my friends and I really wanted to be able to have hard conversations and talk about things that were uncomfortable. And so that's when I got really fascinated in um, communication and And we're going to talk about that in the podcast episode, how to communicate with confidence. I've done a lot of work on that. Uh, I've done a lot of reading, a lot of research, and I've had a lot of practice around uh, confident communication and talking about hard things because I wasn't raised like that. So over the past, you know, 15, 20 years, I've had to do a lot of work around that. So when uh, we were going through puberty, myself and my friends, my peers, that's when I started to notice a lot of conversations around our bodies. Then I started to notice our relationship to food. And I'm also very fascinated with our relationship to food. And these two really, um, you know, our relationship to our body and food really intensified for me when my sister endured anorexia nervosa for a few years. And this was in 2004. And she was very sick for a long time and supporting her through that experience was what really solidified or ignited or even birthed this intense fascination with our relationship to food and our bodies. I had been thinking about it, but not really understanding it until my sister endured anorexia nervosa. And it really brought to the forefront conversations about how we feel about our bodies and the way that our bodies look and our relationship to food. And so I decided as I was supporting her through this experience that I wanted to become a dietitian and I wanted to focus on eating disorders and body image. I thought, this is what I want to do. I'm so fascinated with our relationship to our body. Why, you know, why do so many females and girls and women really struggle with their body image? You know, why do we really struggle with food uh, and, and our relationship to food? So I went and I did my degree in exercise science and nutrition. And my major research project in my undergraduate degree was on the eating disorder continuum. Spoke a little bit about it at the start of the episode. 
And I became really fascinated with what made someone move up and down that continuum. And there are many things and it's super individual and it's very complex and it needs a whole support system. And I really want to say that uh, disordered eating and eating disorders, uh, it's, it's complex. Uh, and there are many things that can move us up and down that continuum. It can be very individualized and very complex. It's a bit like a web and we do need a whole support team. So, of course, you know, doing that major research project, I did so much reading and research on disordered eating and eating disorders and body image and self-esteem and which I loved, you know, I loved learning about that. And I just became even more fascinated with our relationship to our bodies and food. So then I decided that I wanted to do my master's in dietetics. So I moved to Melbourne. I did my master's in dietetics, which was super unsatisfying and really clinical. And um, I did not like it at all. But towards the end of my master's, I knew that I wanted to work in eating disorders. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Because of this deep fascination with our relationship to our body and food and because of my sister's experience. So I found a few mentors who specialized in eating disorders and I started to work under them and learn from them. Along with this, I also worked for the Butterfly Foundation, which was a pure privilege and a pleasure to work for them. They're an amazing foundation in Melbourne. It's a non-for-profit and they run workshops and presentations on body image and self-esteem and eating disorders. So they go into schools and they work with kids from, you know, year three all the way up to year 12. And so I, I got to run workshops and presentations on body image and self-esteem and eating disorders. And I got to have conversations about, you know, our relationship to our body and to food. And after a few years of practicing, I felt like I was just beginning to understand this continuum, uh, like just beginning to understand our relationship to our body and to food. And now, you know, 10 years later, 12 years later, after working with hundreds and hundreds of women and having thousands of conversations, I have a pretty good understanding of our relationship to food and our bodies. Uh, and now, of course, it's more than just whacking ourselves on a continuum. Yeah, but through my work, I have found that some of us spend a lot of time in the middle in this disordered eating space where we have a really hard time having great relationships with food and our bodies. Why? Diet culture, diet culture, the culture, the culture, uh, that's why. Also, I don't think that we're powerfully led through all of this stuff when we're younger. And this is why I'm so passionate about it is because and don't get me wrong, there are amazing people out there doing amazing work, 
you know, like the Butterfly Foundation that are powerfully leading people, not just women, you know, not just females, but boys also, males, you know, really struggle with their relationship to their bodies and to food as well. So there are amazing humans and um, non-for-profits out there that are doing really cool work on helping lead young people in this stuff. But we need more of it. You know, we really, and this is why, one of the reasons why I do the work that I do and one of my missions in Warrior School is to help women redefine their relationship with their bodies, themselves and training and food. So then they can powerfully lead their daughters. That's why we need to do this work. This is why we all need to be fascinated by our relationship to our body and to food, because we need to powerfully lead our young people. And to do that, we really need to understand our own relationship to our body and to food. I grew up in a household that my mother was always dieting. There was always diet books around. There was always, um, you know, language that was very unhelpful, that wasn't leading us powerfully around our bodies and food. And unfortunately, my sister endured anorexia. Now, I'm not saying that the exposure to the environment is the only reason she she endured anorexia nervosa. There are an array of, um, you know, risk factors and, and what potentially can cause someone to experience an eating disorder. But our environment is a very big player in this arena of developing, nurturing, fostering our relationship to our bodies and food. And so we grew up in an environment that didn't lead us really powerfully in that space. And it's really dangerous. So as women, you got to do this work and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be really hard. But basically, we've got to knock everything down. We've got to knock our beliefs down and we've got to redo who we are. We've got to redefine our relationship to our body and to food. And we've got to do it not only for ourselves, but so we can powerfully lead our daughters. So we can powerfully lead our little humans in this world. So we can help them not move up and down that continuum. You know, we can help them be in this place where they have a really healthy relationship with their body and with food. You know, they really understand their body and their physiology and how their body functions. Uh, You know, they understand food and how to fuel themselves powerfully. They use language that... um, you know, that really nurtures their relationship with food and their bodies. You have conversations with them uh, about hard things around their bodies or their body image or food. So that's where my fascination with our relationship to our body and food began. And I still hold that fascination today. 
and it's us it's such a pleasure that I get to do this work every day I get to coach women on their relationship to their body and to food and I get to really help them and support them uh, to become more confident uh, to have a more powerful relationship with their body and with food get to help them redefine that and when we can redefine those relationships we step into really our place of power where those relationships are really positive and we understand our bodies we understand our physiology we we put a high value on our functioning body, our performing body and less of, you know, a focus on how our body looks or it doesn't look, you know, our objectified body or our aesthetic body. And that's really powerful because what that allows us is, well, we have more energy (laughs) because let me tell you, we can leak a lot of energy if we don't have powerful strong relationships with our body and with food it's a big energy cost Uh, and so I have a question for you I would love you to think about your relationship with your body you know do you have some memories where you started to think about your body Uh, have you had conversations maybe Uh, when you were younger around the body or how you viewed your body or how you spoke about your body. If you are a parent, are you having conversations with your kids around their bodies and their relationship to their bodies or what they think about their bodies? Uh, These are important conversations and the same goes for food. You know, can you... Also, what is your relationship like now to your body, um, you know, and to food? So I'd love for you to think about the before and then the now. You know, when did you first start to think about your body and think about food and what was that relationship like? What have you found really helpful to like nurture the relationship or make the relationship strong or positive? What maybe have you experienced that has really made that relationship hard. And right now, what is your relationship like with your body and with food? Do a little bit of a thought download. Okay, so then I have another fascination. I am super fascinated about our relationships with other people relating to other people and of course ourselves actually I'm gonna pause for a second so I'm going through this reinvention (laughs) which is really hard I'm really uncomfortable and anyway so I was on a call with my coach last week and he gifted me (laughs) gifted, I'll put in air quotes, gifted me uh, four prompts at the end of our call. And there were four questions. And they were the four hardest questions 
I've ever been asked before. They're sitting here and they're causing a lot of um, friction and tension and angst (laughs) because I don't know the answers and I like to know the answers so then I can take action. (laughs) I'm an action girl. Uh, Do you want me to share them with you? I can totally share them with you. Okay, so the first prompt or the first question was, who are you? The second was, what do you love about yourself? The third, what have you been programmed to dislike or hate about yourself? So what is your dark side? The side that you tried to hide or push down. And the fourth, who are you really? Ah! (laughs) So I have been walking around with those prompts and those questions just on replay in my brain. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Just over and over and over again. The other day I was having just a shit of a day with the construction and I was tired and frustrated and those questions were rolling around in my brain. And so, you know, I'm really trying to be with the emotions and be with the feelings In the end, I felt such frustration and I went to my bedroom and I got out my toy and I masturbated and I had three or four orgasms. (laughs) I remember laying there as I was orgasming saying, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? (laughs) Just trying to get the answer to these questions or these prompts trying to force it out and obviously that is not the way that (laughs) this relationship with these questions is going to go nothing you know we can't have powerful relationships through force (laughs) or trying to make you know ourselves do something or make other people do (laughs) something so I'm walking around with these questions you know I shared them with a really good girlfriend Uh, when we're having a conversation on the weekend and she was like I wish that you wouldn't have shared them with me because now I'm just going to be thinking about these four prompts or these four questions and the reason why I wanted to share that with you is because that's looking at the relationship that we have with ourselves and that is the most important relationship we will ever have in our life And if we don't have a good relationship with ourselves, it's really, really, really friggin' hard to have powerful relationships with other people, to have powerful relationships with food, with our actual physical body. If we don't have a great relationship with ourselves. So the relationship you have with yourself is your number one. It's the most important one you'll ever have in your life. I know, I know, right? And so if only we could know who we were 
and what we truly loved about ourselves and also what we hold back, you know, and when, if we don't hold back, what could that mean for our relationship with ourselves? I know these are really big questions. I really hope that it's, it's going okay for you. You know, I hope, (laughs) I hope that you're just on a walk and the sun is shining as I'm like throwing these questions at you. So if we want to have powerful relationships with other people, we need to look at the relationship with ourselves. What is the relationship with yourself like right now? And maybe you could spend some time thinking about those prompts or those questions that I was gifted from my lovely coach and mentor, John Marsh. So grateful for them, John. I'm not right now, but I will be grateful for them. But they're causing me a lot of friction, which is great because it means that it's important that I need to look at these questions. Okay, so when did I become fascinated with intimate relationships or relating to other people? I was also trying to think about this when I was planning for this podcast episode. And I couldn't remember exactly. You know, I've been in intimate relationships since I was 15 or 16 years old. But when did I really become fascinated with relating to another human being and also looking at the quality of that relationship, how well we related together? One of my first memories was watching a TED talk by Brené Brown. And this was a long time ago. This is when she first did her original TED talk. I was in Melbourne at at the time. I was actually in a relationship that was, let's just say we didn't relate well. It was a very hard relationship. And Brené Brown's TED talk was on vulnerability. And so this idea or this concept around being vulnerable and communicating that vulnerability was really my first exposure to vulnerability (laughs) and actually being brave enough to voice that. (laughs) As I said, I didn't grow up in a family, even in a culture. You know, I grew up in a small country town in Australia. We didn't talk about feelings a lot. We weren't vulnerable a lot. I didn't know how to talk about hard things. So Brené Brown's work was really the first, I guessed, um, insight into this world of vulnerability and talking about our feelings and being brave and doing hard things. So of course, I watched her TED Talk and then I dived into her work over the following years I watched all of her talks, I read all of her books, and her work has changed me as a human, has helped me change my relationship to myself, has helped me change my intimate relationships, the way that I relate to other people. 
she gave me tools and language to use to be able to have artful conversations, to have confident conversations, hard conversations with people. So I highly recommend all of her work, all of her books. They're all sitting up here above me on the bookshelf. I've read them multiple times. Uh, They're amazing resources on being brave, on vulnerability, on shame, on powerful leadership, on communication. She's exquisite. And I'm so grateful that she is in this world doing the work that she does. Because she is helping people redefine their relationships. So powerful. The second uh, woman who changed my life, her work changed my life, is Esther Perel. The first time I was exposed to Esther Perel was also her original TED Talk on mating in captivity. And so I watched her TED Talk, I read her book, and then she brought out another TED Talk on affairs, and then she brought out another book called The State of Affairs. And I have dived into all of her work over the past 10 to 12 years. Her work, she says, I, I, her like quote or her line um, that she's famous for is the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. I truly believe that. Esther taught me so much about communication and how we communicate to our intimate partners. And her two books, I highly recommend if you are in a relationship, you need to read Mating in Captivity and The State of Affairs. Her podcast is also amazing. Where shall we begin? She also gave me language and tools to use not only in my work as a coach, but in my intimate relationships as well. And I've been in the work of using them and implementing them uh, for the past seven to 10 years. And I very much needed her work and Brené Brown's work when I was in one of my longer term relationships uh, in Melbourne that was very toxic uh, and did not end well. It was heartbreaking and hard and stressful. And I did learn so much out of that. And I was just beginning to to look at their work and, and look at, I guess that's also when I became really fascinated with intimate relationships uh, because mine was not good and it was not working. And I really wanted to make it work, but I didn't have the tools and the resources and the language. Um, I wasn't led powerfully to be able to do that. So I had to seek that out myself. And their work 
uh, really helped me in that. But of course, uh, it was, I'm not going to say it was too late, but, you know, I wasn't meant to powerfully, powerfully relate to that person for a long time. And so that ended. And I had a couple of relationships in between that and the one that I am in now with Carson. Carson and I have such a cool relationship. We relate so powerfully. But that's taken, you know, it's taken a lot of work. It's taken a lot of work um, individually to work through our own stuff, uh, you know, to, to then come together. And one thing I will say when it comes to relationships and not just relationships relating to our partners or our intimate partners, but even to ourselves and to food and to training and our bodies is that we have to choose. We have to wake up every day and choose to relate powerfully to another person and to ourselves. It doesn't come easy. It takes work and effort. And there are some days that, you know, I want to kill Carson. We've been trapped in this small apartment for three years. That's really hard. It's really hard. I work full time from the apartment. I was training from the apartment. And then we were trying to coexist and live in the apartment. And there were times that we wanted to kill each other. And there were times that we didn't powerfully relate to each other. And we didn't have confident conversations um, and use powerful language. But we work on it every day. We're in the work of making sure our relationship works. We have to choose that every day. It requires effort and attention and concentration uh, and focus. And, and so I think, you know, I wanted to offer you that relationships are hard work. And if you feel like you don't have the tools or the resources or the language that you need to have powerful relationships, you need to go and find that. You need to find the support to help you. So their work has been really important to my relationships. And as I said, they've changed how I have related. And they even help me today to choose to have powerful relationships. One of the things that I, I wanted to talk about when it comes to intimate relationships or relating with other people is having confident conversations. Uh, communication is really important. And again, I am not an expert. I'm not a psych, you know, I'm not a counselor. I'm not an expert on relationships or communication. I'm just purely sharing my observations. This is not prescriptive at all. Uh, I'm just sharing my observations from my own experience and from what I've learned from these two amazing women. And there, there are many other people that I have learned from. You know, I've read a lot of books. Um, I've watched, you know, a lot of TED Talks. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've had a, thousands of hard conversations. And so 
it just takes time. It takes time to get resourced. But one thing that I wanted to share and riff on to end the conversation today is confident conversations. So I was actually asked a question uh, by someone a few weeks ago. And she asked me, how do you cope with relationship struggles when on your period? And I really like this question and I want to use it uh, to talk about confident conversations. And so let's talk about it. I was asked this question uh, a long time ago as well. And I think I've done a podcast episode on this before pretty sure like right at the start you might find a podcast episode on starting conversations with confidence it might have been in the 20s I cannot remember I didn't note that down on my notes here so we'll use this question as an example uh, for talking about confident conversations So the struggle for her was that her partner didn't understand how she felt when her hormones dropped each cycle and she didn't know how to communicate what she was feeling. So their communication was super reactive and blaming and either one of them um, wasn't getting what they wanted at that time of her cycle each month. So this became a really common fight in their relationship every cycle. Super fun. Who has, who has a common fight in their intimate relationships often? Yeah. Hands up. Yes. <laughs> Carson and I bicker a lot, but not in a bad way. Uh, we like to play tit for tat with each other. That's how all powerful relationships are built playing tit for tat not really don't take my advice that's not prescriptive advice uh but we do like to play tit for tat a lot uh and we bicker a lot also that's maybe not how you build a powerful relationship or maybe it is i don't know okay so having a common fight in our relationship really really common (laughs) so this one is actually a big one that comes up in my work with women and it 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 isn't just to do with um, trying to articulate how we feel on our period but what also comes up a lot in my work is trying to articulate uh, about our sex drive or lack of sex drive especially if we're um have a lot of having a lot of hormonal problems the body's really stressed or you know we are we've given birth um, and so what comes up a lot is this constant friction that we can feel in our partnership intimate partnership around um, sex so this this can cause a lot of friction in our relationships And I too will raise my hand and say that in my past relationships, it was also um, a common issue around not having the language to articulate um, how I felt sometimes on my cycle or how at times I didn't have a sex drive. 
And if we don't have the language and we don't know how to talk about that, it's a really hard conversation to have. So I feel that the, the context of this friction that she, was, that she is feeling, so in our scenario, comes from two places. One, we don't understand our cycle and the changing needs of our body in each phase of our cycle. And then two, we don't know how to talk about it. And so what I'll often say to my women is that we don't, it's really hard to talk about something that we don't understand. And this is why it's so important to, you know, once a thought gets downloaded into your mind, so a thought comes down, top of your head, download, we'll have a feeling, you know, and that feeling's really coming from the endocrine system. Yeah, it drives, like it has this cascade of things that happens that drives the feeling. So then we'll have a feeling or an emotion uh, and then that will drive an action and then that drives a result. And so if we don't understand the thought and the feeling and the emotion, it's going to be really hard to actually change the action and the result or it's going to be really hard to actually talk about it, which therefore will change the outcome or the result of the conversation. So when she asked me this question about, you know, how do I cope with relationship struggles on my period? Uh, you know, we have the same fight every month. Uh, she didn't know how to communicate what she was feeling. The first uh, thing that we did is I just helped uh, coach her around, you know, I asked her some questions about her cycle and did she understand her cycle and, you know, what was happening to her body? Could she find any patterns in her cycle, you know, and how she felt at certain phases of the cycle? And then the second part of the, the coaching that we did was looking at well, how, how can we talk about it? You know, once we have a bit of an understanding of our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions, we have a bit more understanding of our physiology, what's actually going on with our cycle. How do we then uh, articulate it? How do we have a confident conversation around that? So often I have observed that the things we find hard to talk about, we tend to sit on for a really long time. <laughs> We tend to like to let them marinate for a really long time. And I think what we tend to say is like, I don't know what's going to come up, so I'm going to keep it all inside. And the more that I keep it inside, the more I get upset about what I'm holding in. <laughs> or I don't know what to say, so I won't say anything at all. And then I expect you to just know what I'm feeling and thinking and go along with it or oh, my favorite it's all in my head and if I say anything it will cause a fight again and then they will love me less until it comes out right around day you know the the, the five to seven days before your period and bang there is the fight again and to me there is a few things that are going on here 
uh, to break the cycle, to break that cycle. And what I see a lot is I see this tension between speaking and listening. And Esther Perel has a saying and she says, the art of conversation is about healthy amounts of both thoughtful speaking and hardcore listening, asking questions and navigating commonalities and differences. And I really like that. I really like it. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. The art of conversation is about healthy amounts of both thoughtful speaking and hardcore listening, asking questions and navigating commonalities and differences. Super important because why? Well, because relating to another human is friggin' hard. <laughs> it's hard because we bring our own stories, our own beliefs, our own worldviews, our own trauma, our own insecurities, our own confirmation bias. Bias is a huge one into our relationships, not just our intimate relationships, but relating to anyone. <laughs> and that's really hard. It's hard when each human has their own stories and beliefs and worldviews and traumas and insecurities and biases. Uh, and then you come together. And often what we find is that we are trying to navigate a lot of differences. <laughs> and there's not a lot of thoughtful speaking and there's not a lot of hardcore listening. There's a lot of talking at each other and no listening and not very good navigating around what's going on. So I wanted to share with you how I have confident conversations. And I believe there are really three steps. And these are the three steps that I use in my coaching work and also in my own life with relationships. The first one is reflection and deep understanding. So we need to download the thought and we need to really reflect on the feelings, on the emotions, on what's really going on. You cannot communicate when you do not understand. So why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? Why are you upset? What are you feeling? Why? What do you believe right now? You know, what's the story that you're making up? How are you communicating? So we need to reflect on what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we believe. We also need to deeply understand what we want to talk about. So in this case, the example that we're talking about is around her being able to communicate how she feels on her period or around her period. So you need to understand your own cycle and your own hormones. You need to understand your own body. You need to track your cycle, know what's happening. You know, what's your body telling you? And then you need to explore like, okay, so what do you want around that time? You know, what do, what do you like before your period, on your period, after your period? What do you need before your period, during your period? 
You know, what do you desire from your partner at that time? What are your expectations, your needs, your wants, your desires? So the first piece is we need to reflect. We need to deeply understand ourselves and our thoughts, our needs, our wants around the the situation or the topic. And, you know, it could be one that Carson and I had uh, a long time ago was my need to have a clean kitchen at night before I go to bed. And it was a constant, there was constant friction around that a long time ago. And so I had to actually reflect and deeply understand why I needed that, you know, why I got angry or frustrated when the kitchen was messy uh, or when he left a dish in the sink and didn't put it away. You know, why do I believe that having a clean kitchen is important before I go to bed? You know, what's the story I'm making up? How would I communicate that? You know, I needed to explore my wants and needs around that. And I needed to do all of this work so then I could move into the second stage of a confident conversation, and that is permission and invitation. So this structure, uh, this structure kind of is a bit of a mix up of Brené Brown's work and Esther Perel's work and then my own experience. So I've kind of just like molded it together. Uh, But if I use like a quote or a particular framework or structure from one of them, I will say where it's from. And so we've got this reflection and deep understanding. And then we move into asking permission and inviting them in to have a conversation. So now we need to actually ask permission and invite the other person into the conversation. (laughs) And we're not very good at doing this because often we haven't spent the time reflecting. We don't have a deep understanding. We're very tired. We're low on energy. So we react and then therefore we just react and attack the other person. (laughs) Not great for confident conversations. So we actually need to invite the person in and ask for permission. So what we need to do is you've done the groundwork, the reflecting and the understanding. You need to allow them the space to reflect to and work to understand as well. And a few podcast episodes ago, we I did an amazing podcast with, she's my dear friend, she's also a psychologist, Elise, and we did it on mental labor. And we talked a little bit about, we used some examples in there around talking to our partners about our mental labor, our mental load. So go back and listen to that one. Uh, that will give you some ideas and some examples as well. But basically, we need to set some space aside in the day uh, and we need to create a time to have the conversation. We can't have the conversation as we're rushing out the door or if someone just gets home from work and they need time to decompress or when we're just trying to go to bed and go to sleep or when you know we're trying to feed the children. Not great times for confident conversations. 
you also need to give the other person time to think about what you want to talk about. So there almost needs to be like, we need the invitation first around, hey, I would really love to speak to you about X, Y, Z. You know, I'd love to speak to you about uh, a clean kitchen at night before I go to bed. Uh, when would you have some time that we could set aside? Like what day would be really great to have this conversation? Or I would love to talk to you about the fight that we have every time I get my period. Uh, does that sound okay? And when would be a good time to have this conversation? Or I'd love to talk to you about, you know, whatever, whatever it is that is creating some friction in your relationships, could be friendships, could be relationships with your family, could be your intimate relationships. We need to invite the person into the conversation and we need to give them enough space and time to really reflect and think about the topic. And so you then set a time. And that could be a day from now, that person may need a few days to actually think about it. So you're asking permission and you're inviting them into your conversation. And when I run my workshops, so I run these training the female athlete workshops and it's all around training with your cycle. The last part of the workshop, uh, because it's for coaches and for females who train, uh, the last part of the workshop is on the art of talking about it. And what we do is we do some role playing and some workshopping uh, on creating the conversation from a coach's perspective and an athlete's perspective around uh, the menstrual cycle. And the two things that we talk about is this permission and invitation. So we're always inviting someone into the conversation and we do that because it builds trust. So next time that you want to tell someone something, <laughs> you need to actually ask permission and invite them into the conversation. No one likes to be bombarded with other people's shit. Yeah, it's not fun. Then the last piece is how do we actually talk about it? So how do we express it and articulate it? So in her book, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown has a quote that I love. I love it. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. Say it again for the women in the back. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. So she talks about how her research showed that we avoid clarity because we tell ourselves that we're being kind, but really we are being unkind and unfair. I quote that. Sorry, I have to have a sip of my tea. Uh, I'm sweating. I had to close the door because they're doing construction and it's 30 degrees. And I also have been talking for an hour and six minutes and I haven't taken a sip of tea. So we just have to pause here and just ruminate um, and think about that little quote there. Okay, I really love that. So how do we be clear and kind? 
first I think we need to recognize the hard part and uh, Esther Perel's really good at this and in some of her podcast episodes I've heard her say this uh, I think I've heard her say this in our work this is hard for me and I see that this is hard for us but I would like to share how I feel because I believe that we can do better than this and that's a paraphrase I'm not sure if she's exactly said that uh, but it's one thing I think about is recognizing that, you know, this conversation is actually hard for you to have. It's hard for us as a partnership to have, you know, obviously it's hard because it's created constant friction and it's a constant fight. So for the woman that wrote me the, the, the message about the fight around her period, I, you know, we did some coaching around her being able to say that this is actually really hard for me to have this conversation and I see that this um, you know this situation is really hard for us but you know I really want to share how I feel and I would really love to work on it because I believe that you know we can do better and I I don't actually want it to be a fight every time every month or every cycle And so uh, Ruby Marsh, my, one of my business coaches, when she talks about boundaries and, you know, when we, we share our boundary with someone, we need, to, we need to stay in the room. And what she means by that is like, we've got to make our request and stay in the request. We've got to stick to the point. We've got to stay in the room. So once we say the thing, once we declare the boundary, or we declare what we're trying to declare, we've got, to, we've got to stay there. We've got to stay in the moment and, and stay in the room. Which I really love. And I think that's important because sometimes we will um, say it and then we'll want to move on super quickly so we can avoid the uncomfortable feeling or the friction that we feel or so we we're afraid of what the other person's going to say back. So we, we want to get out of that room. <laughs> so you want to focus on the, the one thing that you're talking about. And that's really important is that you'll have a particular topic. So you'll have a focus topic and just try to stick to the topic, to that one thing and how it makes you feel, like what effect it has on you. And that's really important. And I, I can't remember where I learned that from. It was probably one or both of my powerhouse ladies that we always want to express how it makes us feel. We want to express our experience because how we feel and our experience, that's not right or wrong. That's just how we feel. And doing that will prevent us from blaming and judging and criticizing the other person. And oh, do we love us some blame and some judgment and some criticism? Uh, even though they don't feel great, it's almost the easier way out sometimes. So we want to talk about how the experience makes us feel or how the thing that the other person is doing makes us feel. When you X, it makes me feel X. 
when you did X, it made me feel X. And then we need to ask for what we need. So it comes back to asking us those questions at the start, asking ourselves those questions at the start. When I feel like X, I need you to X. So ask for what you need when it happens. Remember Esther said, the art is thoughtful speaking. So the only way we can thoughtfully speak is if we've actually done our homework and we've spent time understanding our thoughts, beliefs, the situation, how it makes us feel, what do we want, what do you need? And then you need to do some hardcore listening because the other person is in the conversation with you as well. So not interrupting, hardcore listening. And then together, you both need to ask questions and together navigate, navigate the situation. Okay, so... I hope you found this episode helpful. (laughs) There was a lot in it. I know. Uh, If you feel like you know someone who would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. That's all we're going to talk about when it comes to how to have powerful relationships. The last part that we just spoke about in you know, how to have confident conversations. I think we can also use some of those prompts, some of those questions when it comes to the relationships that we have with our bodies and food, uh, not just our intimate relationships. Uh, So hopefully there was some helpful things in there for you, some helpful prompts, uh, potentially even some helpful language that you could use when it comes to the relationship that you have with yourself, your body, food, and your intimate relationships. If you want some support in redefining your relationship with yourself and your body and training, if you want to have powerful relationships, I invite you to come and check out Warrior School. Warrior School is my online coaching program for women. And we take all of this material that we're talking about today and I lead women in learning how to apply it so they can build a body that carries them through life on their own terms so they can have a powerful relationship with their body they can have a powerful relationship to training and they can fall in love with training and they can have really powerful intimate relationships as well so I'd love to have you Check it out, warriorschool.card.co. I'm in the process of redesigning my website. So she's going to have a new home, a new look, a new feel, a new world, which I'm so excited about. So I've got a gem of a human working on that for me. I'm doing a little bit of writing uh, this week for the content of the website, but Yeah, you can check her out. I'll pop the link in the show notes as always. Or if you have any questions for me, just DM me 
and I would be happy to answer them for you. Okay, Warrior Woman, I hope you have a fantastic day. Have a great life and I hope your relationships are full of power this week. Okay, bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.